The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. Yeah, I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. That'll make them. But you know, there's something I know. No business, no nonprofit, no government organization can function without people. Hiring and retaining the correct people is the key to creating and growing a great company. And yes, a great nation. When a voter goes to the polls and votes for a candidate for any office, from local dog catcher to president of the United States, well, by voting, you're participating in a hiring decision. What you're doing is evaluating several candidates' resumes, their experience, the positions they've held, the challenges they faced, how they managed those challenges, what were the results, and how long did they last in each of those jobs. You look at their education, is it relevant? And you look at their references. In my experience, references are the most critical determinant in, in any candidate that I select. Why is that true? A resume is, in fact, an advertisement. It tries to show all the good stuff, okay? But references will tell you about what really happened, what that resume really reflects, what it means. It's a well-established fact in both business research and in business practice that past performance is the best indicator of future performance. And in the case of President Donald Trump, past performance, well, unpaid taxes, unpaid contractors, defaulted loans, bankruptcies, declining TV ratings, sexual harassment charges, marital infidelity documented, and nepotism. Let's take a little time and compare President Trump's record in office to his employment contract in 2016. What have we seen? A decline in economic growth. Discounting the stock market mirage, which is a subject for a very different day, wage and opportunity stagnation has been the watchword in the American middle class in the last four years. There's been no improvement in healthcare, in how it's planned, in how it cost or how it's delivered. There has been absolutely no infrastructure program. You'd have thought a developer would have gone after infrastructure first because it offered so much opportunity. There's been no immigration reform. We were promised immigration reform. There's no DACA reform. A a migrant child separation policy was created that is antithetical to all and any pro-life values. And less than 50 miles of new border wall have been built. And yes, they've already been breached. 
a promise to reduce the out-of-control national debt over the first eight years of a Trump administration was discarded on January 21st, 2017. It was too hard to do then, given the fragility of the economy. And you know what? It's three times more difficult in 2021. This year's deficit alone will be $3 trillion. And even worse, between COVID's depressing taxable consumer spending, you know, I mean, 10 cents of every dollar you spend on things other than groceries and a few and pharmaceuticals in California, at least, is taxed at a rate of 10% or more, part of that plus federal taxes on things like alcohol um, and, and gasoline, et cetera. Well, when we're not buying gas, they're not getting money into the treasury. COVID-related high unemployment has also depressed both payroll taxes, which pay for Medicare, Social Security, and other entitlements, and the income tax receipts that would go along with people having income. So you see, at this moment, there is an actual cash crunch at the U.S. Treasury. And that's important because unlike most American business, the U.S. Treasury uses cash flow accounting. When President Trump uh, didn't promise was equally as impressive in his record of successes and failures. Angry allies, a weaker NATO, an emboldened China, tariffs that have increased prices for U.S. consumers and resulted in decreased Chinese purchases of U.S. agricultural products, depressing U.S. agricultural states. A further nuclearization of North Korea and Iran. A revolving door administration with weaker and weaker incumbents. John Radcliffe as the Director of National Intelligence comes to mind. Heck, he had to inflate his resume just to get in, into a congressional primary in Texas. And then there's the blatant nepotism. Jared Kushner doesn't carry the title, but he is the de facto chief of staff at the White House. And I want you to stop for just a second and think about that. The last man in the room is the president's son-in-law, the psychon of, an, of a corrupt family business. Jared's almost totally managed to drive the Kushner businesses into the ground while he was in charge as his father, Charlie, served a federal prison term, courtesy of then U.S. Attorney Chris Christie. And again, again, I want you to stop and think for a moment. That very Jared Kushner is the last man in the room. Do you think all those mistakes are offset by a tax reform act that benefited Mr. Trump, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, and Michael Bloomberg, plus large corporate donors, but raised taxes on every homeowner in California, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and 20 other states. You know what Bill Gates did with his tax windfall? 
He funded the United States obligation to the World Trade Organization so we would have access to COVID information when President Trump refused to meet that obligation. Yes, yes, the naming of three Supreme Court justices, at least two of whom believe in the original intent of the Supreme Court, is an accomplishment. But it's Mitch McConnell's accomplishment, not Donald Trump's. Originalists, as these new justices are considered, call balls and strikes on the actions of Congress and state legislatures. The arguments that come before them are whether the law or a specific application of the law is constitutional or not. If it's not, then the court tells the legislature or other governing entity what it needs to do to make that particular law constitutional, if, in fact, the legislative body chooses to do so. It is not emphatically the job's judge to legislate. And if you're following recent decisions concerning the current election, that's exactly what the majority on the court is doing. They're making the states follow their own election laws regardless of COVID considerations. And to top it off, to top it off, Mr. Trump's handling of the COVID pandemic response in the United States has left the United States with the world's worst COVID outbreak, or at least the ones that we can count, in other words, the developed world's worst COVID outbreak, and the worst managed outbreak in the developed or developing world. So forget belittling the doctors on the White House coronavirus task force, or even his comments yesterday about doctors getting rich on the COVID, quote, hoax, end quote, as the hospitals overflow throughout the Midwest, and we saw over 90,000 new cases yesterday, after having his own brush with serious infection, Mr. Trump has still tried to make mask wearing during a pandemic into a political issue. You know, a quarter of a million Americans are dead as a result of this pandemic. So I want you to think about that in terms that we might previously have considered unacceptable. Okay, a quarter of a million Americans are dead. Right now, at a rate of 900 or 1,000 deaths a week, we are seeing more than a 9-11 every single week. And the doctors tell us, the experts tell us, that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And then there are the abuses of power in the service of Donald Trump's ego, his sense of entitlement, and a misunderstanding of the role of the president of the United States. No, the president under our constitutional system does not get to do anything he wants, as the president has trumpeted. But he has turned the, UN, the Department of Justice into his personal law firm. He has disabled the post office to slow the flow of mail-in ballots in the midst of a pandemic. He has urged aggressive, in other words, armed poll monitoring, and he's done every kind of trick for voter suppression 
that we've not seen since the 1960s march on Selma. And most egregiously, there's a con was the concerted plan and a set of actions that were intended to coerce a foreign government into whipping up dirt on a potential political rival by unlawfully withholding congressionally approved and vitally necessary military assistance funds to that particular foreign government. You know what? Congress attempted to impeach the president over that last one, but that pesky old employee wrote handbook within the constitution got in the way. Members of the Senate decided that what the president had, had done was wrong, but they decided that the public trial amounted to what we in the private sector refer to as written one. In other words, your last written warning. You are now warned that what you did violated both your employment contract and our policies and procedures. Do it again and we will fire you. The president, I've, I've written more than one of those threats in my life. The president got his written one, but he ignored it and he plowed forward to punish law-abiding patriotic members of his own administration. Just remember the perp walk of Colonel Vindman out of the White House. Think about the federal marshals who are still protecting the whistleblower from the CIA against death threats. The failure to support the FBI when they thwarted a plot against the life of Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, in fact, announcing his intent to fire his second FBI director because that FBI director has not uh, pursued investigations the president wanted. And the president used the legal system to reward his friends. Think about Roger Stone's commutation of his prison sentence, the firing of Southern District of New York attorney Jeffrey Berman because he was investigating Rudy, and the Durham investigation in Crossfire Hurricane that kind of went down the drain. And the punishment of President Trump's enemies, how he sent Michael Cohn back to prison to, pu to stop publication of a book, and how the same Department of Justice is now pressing criminal charges against John Bolton for the very same crime. I could go on, but you know all of the stories, right down to the tens of millions of dollars that are missing from the last, from the 2017 presidential inaugural fund. Now, Rick Gates has owned up to embezzling some of that money. And then the Trumps tried to blame the rest of that embezzlement on Melania's good friend, Stephanie Winston Wolkoff, who to Trump's misfortune had kept all the receipts. And so now is a witness in several potential prosecutions. And now hundreds of millions of dollars have gone missing from the Trump re-election fund. Now, some of them we know were parscaled, but where's the rest? Well, some of it's in salaries for the son's missuses, Laura Trump and Kimberly Goldfoy. But that's a lot of money to misplace, somewhere around $170 million. The four-year performance appraisal, in other words, the comparison of the promised deliverables, including acting more presidential, to the outcomes bring us to a single decision point. 
when compared with other presidential job applicants, like Joe Biden, an imperfect human being with a 47-year track record of public service, the first in his family to go to college, a consequential U.S. senator, a vice president who redefining the role of who contributed, <clears throat> a vice president who redefined the role of, of the vice presidency from, form, from ceremonial to consequential, a man with a track record who accepted the decisions made in the moment do not always stand up to the test of history. The 1994 crime legislation is a perfect example, but Vice President Biden appears to have learned the lessons from that, that legislation that can be applied to further reform. You know, the vice president was a son, then he was a husband and father, and now he's a grandfather, but he's a grandfather who knows what pain is. He buried two of his own children, and yeah, he wears it on his sleeve, and I don't hold that against him because it does make him more empathetic to other people's pain. He's a centrist for all the maligning that Facebook posts try to make. He's not a socialist. He's the furthest from it. And his um, decided victory in the Democratic primary says that most Democrats are still centrist. He was as much a friend and colleague in the Senate to Lindsey Graham and the late John McCain as he was to Chris Coons, his fellow Senator from Delaware, or to Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren. 47 years working across the aisle. The thing we aspire to. Or as George W. Bush expressed it at John Lewis's funeral this summer, working out differences of opinion on how to solve mutually agreed to problems is the essence of democracy. That's working across the aisle, getting everybody together in the Oval Office, Republican and Democrat, and it should increasingly be Republican, Democrat, and Independent because Independents are now the plurality of American voters, okay? But the single question that you, Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. American stakeholder, have to answer as a November 3rd voter. Given that performance appraisal, do you wanna renew Donald Trump's employment contract in the clear recognition that written one did not achieve its intended purpose? It didn't change bad behavior. Or do you want to give the new guy a chance to try and unite this fractured country? I fired a few people in my career. It was always painful. And it was always after I had exhausted every other avenue to improve that employee's performance. But I have never felt more sure of my decision than I do this year. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. 
Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.